Our Father, we we know you are here. That is what makes this place special. We gathered not to ourselves. We gathered before your holy presence. You have called us to belong to you through Christ. By the power of your Spirit, filled us with God the Holy Spirit. The deposits guaranteeing our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of your glory. We approach you with fear and trembling, particularly as we listen to your word together. That you open up our hearts and our minds, inform our minds, inflame our hearts, quicken our wills towards obedience unto the risen King. We pray all this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you know that as a church, we, we long to see the Lord work. We long to see God accomplish his purposes among us. We put together programs and activities. We organize events because we want to see lives transformed. We want to see God move in powerful ways. It is important we do that because we believe that the Lord might grant his grace and move through it. And I think that as we start our series in the book of Acts, we need to notice this. I believe that Dr. Luke, who wrote this second volume, wants to free us. He wants us to be free. He wants us to experience this freedom and be encouraged and be empowered to do the Lord's work. And because he wants us to be empowered to do the Lord's work, he shows us certain things that are foundational if we are indeed going to do the Lord's work faithfully, effectively, and joyfully. So what are some of the things that he shows us as we journey through the book of Acts? The first thing that he shows us is this. The work of the Lord, what we call the work of the Lord, whatever that is, we'll come to that. But the work of the Lord is Jesus in action. That is the first thing he wants us to get, and he wants us to get that right from the very beginning of the book of Acts. So sometimes we have, and we, there's nothing wrong with that. We read Acts, and the title is The Acts of the Apostles. It is indeed the Acts of the Apostles, but perhaps a better way to call it, to look at it, is The Acts of Jesus. It is only the acts of the apostles because first and foremost, it is the act of the risen Lord Jesus in the world. Acts is about how Jesus fulfills the Father's will through the power of the Holy Spirit upon and through his people on earth. It is Jesus still, the Son still fulfilling the Father's will in the power of the Holy Spirit and has invited God's people in union with him to participate, to take part in what Jesus is doing on earth. One day I was doing the Lord's work and I was tired and busy and sweaty somewhere else, going up and down. And I have this, had this lovely, older, godly woman of God. Not a pastor, just a godly woman of God. 
And she looked at me, move up and down and take off and come in. I was living in living in a house. She's going to be with Jesus. And she called me by the, the day on which I was born. You know, Ghanaian's middle name. I'm Kweku. I was born on Wednesday. And she said, Kweku, do you know why? She said it in the local language. We call the work of God the work of God. I thought, what do you mean? So I thought it was a trick question. So I paused for a moment and then she answered impatiently. She said, we call it the work of God because it is the work of God. It is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts is acts of the Lord Jesus. He is fulfilling his Father's will still by the power of God the Holy Spirit and by his grace in and through his people. So Acts is going to show us something. He's going to show us Jesus fulfilled these words that he uttered in Matthew. I will build my church. He didn't start it and then leave it somehow to the apostles, to the church and the church that will follow so that they continue to somehow figure out how they're going to build the church. It is him who says, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will start the building of my church and you guys will continue it. I will start the building of my church. I will continue it and I'll bring it to completion. So look at verse 1 and 2. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So you know that Luke, a physician, a doctor, a learned guy, gave an account of the Lord Jesus, all that he began to do, all that he did and taught. He began that in the first volume. That is what we call the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke giving an account. The second volume, which is Acts, is actually a continuation. It is writing. I don't know what happened. It takes a break and then he continues the work to tell of Jesus' work and teaching. So when Jesus ascends into heaven, when you read the end of Luke chapter 24, 51 to 53, when he ascends to heaven, he shows that it was not the end of his work. Ascending to heaven, his enthronement, if you like, was not the end of the work. He has finished. Yes, he has finished. Now we are entering into the season where he applies it in the world. So we are seeing across Acts, and I wouldn't say everything today because we'll see them as we journey through these series that run into somewhere August, God willing. So we see Jesus extending the kingdom of God from shore to shore. He will be doing that by the power of the Holy Spirit through his people. He is building his church, Jews and Gentiles, put together. And Luke wants us to understand the implications of that. The end of Luke's gospel is not, as I said, the end of his work. The ascension is pointing to the enthronement of this risen king. He is Lord of all. He is not dead. 
No wonder he spent 40 days with his disciples before he actually ascended. It is evidently clear that they were with him, they ate with him, they walked with him, they listened to him. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. The implication again is this. Jesus is present. He is present with his people. And this is a point I want to drive home. Jesus is working and teaching his people. He is working. Think of the work of God. Think of Jesus. So you could say that on the one hand, Jesus has fully and finally accomplished, accomplished everything that there needs to be accomplished for the salvation of all who believe, whether they are Jews or they are Gentiles. Now for the rest of history, the power of the cross by Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit is being applied to the world. It's been applied to the church. It's been applied to the world. That is, that is the whole purpose of missions. Jesus is working. And the church, the people of God, the body of Christ, cannot do anything and accomplish anything if Jesus himself is not ultimately at work. The apostles, even the apostles of the early church, could accomplish nothing if Jesus himself were not at work in them, through them, by the power of his Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And so when we start moving deeper into Acts, you notice this. The preaching of the apostles and the early believers is they are preaching Jesus. Whether they talk about the resurrection or they talk about the lordship of Jesus, they are preaching Jesus. And when they have performed a miracle, some signs and wonders, they say that these things were done in his name. They preach Jesus. Jesus spiritually is present to perform the signs and the wonders that we see throughout Acts. None of them had power in of, of themselves to do anything. You remember, um, was it who uh, was it? Peter and John, John and at the at the um, the entrance of the temple, the gate called Beautiful. You are looking at us as if we have something to give you. We don't have anything to give you, but what we give to you, receive. When they were talking to the the man who could not walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They preach Christ and every other thing is done in his name because it is he who is at work and not Peter or James or John or Matthew or Paul or Barnabas. Jesus is alive. Jesus is present. Jesus is working. Immediately, I hope you are beginning to think about what a privileged position to find ourselves who come to that, that we are invited into that work. He can do it without us. And yet he chooses to invite us into it. It is he who is at work. How do we know this? Well, be, be, not only here in Acts, because the Lord Jesus himself had talked about it, didn't he? If you remember the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, he says this when he was commissioning. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You see how he gives this commissioning. He begins with what? Every authority is given to Jesus. And Jesus is present. And whatever we do is in the middle, in the context of these two. The risen Jesus with all the authority, the risen Jesus fully present, never absent, always engaged. So if that is the case, what is the apostles' work? What are they supposed to do? Here is the apostles' work. The apostles' work was to do the Lord's work. That's the apostles' work. To do the Lord's work. The apostles have no work for themselves carved out by the apostles. <clears throat> the apostles' work is the Lord's work into which they have been invited and commissioned and empowered to do. It is the Lord who is doing it. You remember when the Lord was physically present with the apostles? I always want to go into my mind's imagination. I could almost imagine Jesus walking with these disciples and he's probably at the front and they are chatting and they are um, cracking jokes and sometimes it's serious business and sometimes he rebukes them, he encourages them and all that. And they could look to him as they walk on the road, whether they were going to Bethany or they were coming to Jerusalem, wherever. They could look to him and they were chatting and, and, and Jesus could hear them sometimes have a conversation about who is the greatest, right? And then Jesus would ask them, what was that discussion all about? As if he didn't know. <laughs> and then everybody keeps quiet. <laughs> the Lord was leading them. After the ascension, that hasn't changed. It has changed only physically to be spiritual. You can't see him with your naked eyes. But he is still ever present leading his disciples to perform his work. I dare say this one is not in the scriptures. Sometimes his sense of humor coming out in the way he does things with, with his disciples, but still leading his disciples and they're looking up to him. The apostles' work is to do the Lord's work. The only reason they can be confident is precisely because they knew and had experience that the Lord Jesus is alive and the Lord Jesus is, was physically, uh, spiritually present with them. And so what is the Lord's work? Let's be precise. The Lord's work is basically for them to be witnesses. To be witnesses of who? About who? Pointing to who? It is like they will be invited by the world to stand in that box in the law court. How do you call that box? Pardon? Witness box. Don't mislead me. Oh. <laughs> the witness box where you testify. That is actually the way that word has been used. You stand in and that they're going to witness of someone, but it is not themselves. It is the Lord Jesus. And they're going to do that in the power of the Spirit. Look at verse 6 right through to verse 8. You can just glance it through it. They are going to testify. They are going to witness of one thing. 
that they have seen, they have heard, they have experienced this Jesus who is alive, who is present, and he is extending his kingdom. He is bringing people in through faith in him, and that will be unstoppable. That is what they are to witness. Nothing spectacular pointing the world to Jesus. In fact, sometimes they are to stand aside and say to the world, on the one hand, look at him. He is at work. This is what he has done. This is what he is doing. You better believe. You better turn. But here is the thing. The apostles and these early believers will only be able to faithfully discharge this pointing to Jesus because he is working and inviting people to him. They will only be able to do it as the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of power, is poured out. Is poured out upon them. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me read it again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. This is the Lord speaking in Jerusalem. And you will be my witnesses in all Judea. And you will be my witnesses, the Lord Jesus' witnesses in Samaria. And you will be the Lord Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth, wherever the ends of the earth might be. If you understood what they understood when they heard these words, don't jump too quickly to us. We'll come to us in a minute. But just put yourself in their shoes. Because they were hearing Isaiah speak at this point. Isaiah had talked about this very day. He says in Isaiah 32, 14 to 17. You can just write it down when it's really turned to it. He says, The fortress will be abandoned. God's people will be judged. The noisy city deserted. Citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever. The delight of donkeys. A pasture for flocks. So the spirit is poured on us from on high. And the desert becomes a fertile field. And the fertile field seems like a forest. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness lies. In, in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be the quietness and confidence forever. Isaiah is saying that when after God's people have gone through all these judgments, there will be a time where the Spirit of the Lord will be poured out on the servant of the Lord Jesus and by extension in him, on his people. And everything is going to change. There's going to be an outpouring of the Spirit and there's going to be fertility in the land. Things are going to be different. For what? To what end? For what purpose? Isaiah takes that up again. Later in Isaiah 40, 10 to 13. Verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. 
Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I, and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient of days I am He. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? And so, Isaiah is telling the Lord's people that you are my witnesses that there is no God but the Lord. And so when the apostles hear these things, they hear Isaiah. It is fulfilled. That is what he's talking about. We see that in him. When the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him, now he says that is going to happen to us. There is going to be the outpouring of the Spirit. And we are going to declare Isaiah 40, 10 to 13, that it is true, it is fulfilled fully and finally in Jesus. That's what the world needs to hear. That beside Jesus, there is no other God. There is no other Savior. They will be witnesses. The spirits will empower them. And so this kind of task is not human work. You don't leave it in human hands. Unless the spirit of Jesus comes upon them fully. Filling them up, empowering them. That they carry on work that is divine. Because it is the work of Jesus himself. He is bringing about the Father's will in the power of the Spirit into which we have been invited. So when the Spirit comes, brothers and sisters, when the Spirit comes upon these early believers, he's enabling them. He's enabling them not just to speak. The speaking points to something. He's enabled them to participate in Jesus' working. He's enabling them to sit on Jesus' lap to drive the bus. I think of this illustration when one of my children was much younger. We would drive where it is safe and I'll say, sit on my lap, hold the steering wheel. I know that the real driving of the car actually has to do with the pedals, isn't it? But sit on my lap, hold the steering wheel. The road is smooth, it is straight, and they are basically driving to them they are driving and they are happy but i'm happy that my child feels happy because he's participating in what that he is doing but the child knows that without me she's going to scream in fear and i know without me we're going to crash and therefore i'm in charge but i've invited this child to participate the spirit does that as the Spirit invites us, those in Christ, to participate not only, well, I was going to say not only in the blessing of Christ, but actually the work itself is the blessing of Christ, isn't it? Jesus continues to work in these apostles to be witnesses of him in word and in deed to the world. So the Holy Spirit comes and clothes them with power from on high and then he breaks their shyness. He breaks their fear. He gives them wisdom, boldness, and joy, and perseverance, and peace, and assurance, and strength. Without the Spirit at work in God's people, they cannot be instruments in the hands of Jesus for his work in the world. 
So the apostles could not actually be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth without the empowering of the spirits. So what does that mean for us? Let me read again verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria. And read the last bit. And to the ends of the earth. Now before I say how this applies to us in some way, there is a lot, but just a few. Let me make this abundantly clear for us so we don't get into confusion. These early apostles and others with them stood in a unique place on the one hand in salvation history. For them, they talked with Jesus face to face. If you were to bring Peter in here, he can tell you exactly how Jesus looked like, how he ate, how he slept, how he laughed, how he cried. They dealt with him face to face. And they received uniquely the inspiration and authority as the foundation of the church Jesus is building. And that is why we have the New Testament. And that is why we read it and we debate it and we do all kinds of things. Where do you think it's coming from? They had been taught by Jesus. Given the unique authority to write it down. That is the foundation. But here is the thing. It still does not remove the fact that what they had to be powerful witnesses of Jesus, we don't need today. There is a difference there in their uniqueness. Thank God for Peter and James and Paul and all these other people, the foundations of our faith or the foundation of our faith. Jesus himself being the cornerstone, isn't it? Oh, but even they, they seeing Jesus face to face needed the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. What does that mean for us? Look at verse 8 again. If the witnesses is what is here, but you receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The apostles dead, gone to be with Jesus. And yet the work, the gospel, Jesus, the witness of Jesus has to get to the ends of the earth. How do you think it's going to get to the ends of the earth? Well, Jesus will do it and he's invited the church across all history to participate in it. How do you think we're going to be free to participate, to respond to Jesus in that? The outpouring of the Spirit. We as well need the outpouring of God, the Holy Spirit, upon us. The task of witnessing is passed on to us. If Jesus tarries and we die to be with him, the generation after us, it will be passed on to them. It will be passed on to them in the scriptures and from the scriptures. Oh, they cannot do it by themselves unless Jesus is doing it. They cannot participate unless the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ is poured upon them. We do, we do need the extraordinary outpouring of the spirit upon the church if we are to be faithful, joyful, 
courageous, loving, gracious, clear, humble witnesses of Jesus in the world. We need that outpouring of the Spirit to affirm in our own hearts when sometimes it feels as though our faith is useless. To affirm in our own hearts continuously with overflowing joy that Jesus is alive and is present and is working. And we are part. God's kingdom is being extended. It is true that Jesus reigns. We cannot, we have said before that this year we want to be more evangelistic. Haven't we said that? We want to reach out to our neighbors. My friends, let me say this. With all the strategies and plans and programs and all the other things that we have outlined on paper, we cannot be evangelistic unless God, the Holy Spirit, enables us and frees us freeze our hearts and all our fears and low self-esteem and the fact that when we come across certain people, we feel embarrassed to talk about Jesus, to share the gospel, but it's so easy to talk about Arsenal and Liverpool. There's something going on there. We need the Holy Spirit to actually break us from this embarrassment about Jesus and dare to speak of him. <laughs> they, they had the same problem. You remember Peter? Big talk, but in some ways, such a coward. I think I'm making it up. I'm about to finish. When the Lord Jesus was arrested, do you remember? And a little slave girl said, You, you are a Galilean. You are with this man. And Peter said, I swear, I swear, I swear, heaven and earth, that I don't know him. I don't know him. Coward. And yet, after the outpouring, the extraordinary outpouring of the spirits, this same man stands up and he preaches Christ from Joel, from the Old Testament. And he calls people to respond. And the Holy Spirit grants it. That 3,000, about 3,000 souls that day alone. And then at some point, they were arrested before the, the powers that be. And they said, don't say anything in the name of this Jesus. They said, tell us. It's not like we're going to think about it, then we'll come and tell you what to do. They said, tell us people, leaders of our city, religious leaders, leaders of our denomination, whether it is right to obey you or to obey God. The Spirit does that work. My friends, again, permit me to be repetitive a little bit as I finish off. We cannot know where and how the risen Jesus is working out God's purposes in our city unless the Spirit opens our eyes and ears to it so that we follow and we participate in it. We need God the Holy Spirit to bring us into Jesus. To bring us more and more deeper into his purpose. How he's working. Not just what he's working. And sometimes he will do this 
through our day-to-day -day experiences, the Spirit is drawing us closer and closer. And then there are times when He does it in moments we don't even expect. And there is something extraordinary, unexpected, even weird happening. But not weird to the point that it takes us out and from the Lord Jesus. We cannot be humble. We cannot be winsome in the way we evangelize. We cannot witness of Jesus to our neighbors unless the Spirit enables us to gaze our focus on this compassionate, merciful, lowly Savior, Jesus. So what am I saying? What have I been saying? What I've been saying is this, quite simply. Acts makes it clear that in Acts, we are not a hero. Don't be too quick to see yourself in that. We ought to be doing this. Yeah, we ought to be doing that. Hang on. In Acts, God wants us to be, God wants us to be, I was going to say mesmerized, but I don't understand it, so I won't use it. God wants us to be amazed at Jesus. The Father wants us to be amazed at how this risen Lord continues his work and how God the Holy Spirit brings this about in God's people and how God's people are drawn in and people like Paul, a persecutor of the church, is invited by the Lord Jesus and included in and commanded and commissions and he goes out there and he participates in Jesus' work. The other thing that I want us to take away is that with this participation, unless God the Holy Spirit comes upon us, unless we humble ourselves, unless we constantly ask him, God, show us by your Spirit where Jesus is busily working and how Jesus is busily working, we will organize all the programs and activities and still miss it with all our good intentions. May the Lord bless us. May the Lord encourage us. May the Lord open our eyes as we journey through the book of Acts for his glory and honor. Amen. Let me pray. Our Father, we ask that you will help us. You will help us through your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Spirit to stand in Jesus, in his work, and to joyfully participate as your spirit empower us. Empower us by your spirit. Pour out your spirit upon us. Perform, Lord, signs and wonders as you turn hearts, the unexpected hearts, as you transform lives. Please, Lord, raise the dead those who are spiritually unalive to God. Bring it about, Lord. Do the, the unexpected amongst us, even if it makes us a little bit uncomfortable. We want to submit. Please do it. But give us the discernment to discern when Satan wants to come and sow tears among us and call them, masquerade them as the work of God. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, open our eyes. Let Jesus, his work, his work in the world, 
be so clear to us that we, by the power of your Spirit, might jump into it by faith and boldly witness of him to the ends of the earth where you have placed us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.